I'm going to begin today uh, preaching a passage that is very, very familiar to you, um, but I want to look at it through the context of the way God likes to use his people to accomplish his purpose. So we're going to take a moment and dive into Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Uh, it is on the screen. If you have your own Bible, you can follow along there. And here's what it says. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Somebody said they were hungry. Mm. Oh, somebody said hungry. Somebody said they were real hungry out there. Okay, so they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many people saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a huge crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send the people away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy something to eat. Somebody say, they were hungry. <laughs> you, you give them something to eat, Jesus said. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give, some, give, give them something to eat? Do we go uh, buy a, a, you know, a bunch of bread and, and come back? Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Uh, today, I want to speak for just the next few moments on the topic, hunger pains. Hunger pains. So let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you thankful uh, for this opportunity, Lord, to uh, learn from your word, to grow in how you would have us grow. I pray, Lord God, that we would um, expand, our lives would expand to, to be a part of your great story for what you're doing in this city and beyond. Uh, we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this. How many of you guys have ever experienced hunger pains? Anybody, that's that, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's right, that gnawing feeling in your abdomen where it just kind of has that, ugh, it kind of, sometimes it makes a noise too. Have you ever heard that? It kind of, it just kind of makes a little noise and you're just, you're just hungry. And if, if you don't take care of it, there, I think there's something beeping, guys. There might be a, uh, something beeping, uh, maybe on stage, but okay, I think it's all good. All right. Um, um, if, if, uh, if you don't take care of it, you move from being hungry to, has anybody ever been hangry? Hangry? You know what I'm talking about? Um, you know, you just, it, it turns from physical to emotional. You just start like getting a little snappy with people. I've never, this has never happened to me, but I've read about it in books and stuff. Um, I, I hear that, that that's what happens. Uh, every once in a while, if you're not careful, um, if you don't take care of the hunger, uh, it will it will get a hold of you. I don't know if you guys remember those Snickers commercials where somebody you know was getting fussy because they were hungry. Uh, there's there's one where um, I, I I like the movie Goodfellas. I don't know if you remember this movie. Some of you guys, it's a gangster movie. Anyway, these these two these these two guys are talking to these two girls at a, at a college party, and one of the guys suddenly turns into like Joe Pesci, the gangster from Goodfellas. I'm probably dating myself here. But anyway, he just turns into this really mean guy. And his buddy takes him to the back room. And he goes, hey, man, 
have a Snickers, right? You're, you're, not, you're, you're not you when you're hungry. Um, a, a friend of mine, uh, when his wife, uh, when they had their first child, when she was pregnant with their first child, she is, um, this is a very good friend of mine. They're both good friends of mine. She's the sweetest, kindest, gentlest, nicest person that you'd ever want to meet. But apparently when they were pr- pregnant with their first child and she would get hungry, it would, it would shift to hangry like really quickly. So my friend actually told me, I was talking to him on the phone. He said, now I keep a box of assorted snacks in the trunk at all times, because if she gets hangry, man, it's not good for anybody. Um, so what, what we see in this story is everybody is hungry. Everybody in this story is hungry. You've got, you've got a crowd coming and they're hungry. You've got disciples and they're hungry. But the truth is this, there's a, the, the story is more than a story about physical hunger. The story is a story about what I wouldn't call soul hunger. These people were hungry for what Jesus had to offer. And we know that because in the very beginning of the story, we see that the scripture says um, they, they ran there on foot from all of the towns. These people were hungry before they got there. If you're taking notes in your, in your booklet there, I just wanna, I want you to write this down. Everybody's hungry for something. Everybody is hungry for something. If you're here today, my assumption about you, if you're at the Tivoli or if you're at Shaw, if you're online, my assumption about you is that there is a hunger in you that perhaps you have tried to fill in your own life, your own way, and you weren't able to fill it. And so now you have come to seek nourishment from God and from the word of God. When we look at this story, we see three groups of people. We see what I'm gonna call the crowd. These are the 5,000 people who had gathered to hear Jesus. Then we see what I'm gonna call the core. These are the 12 disciples that had gathered around Jesus. And then of course, there's Jesus himself, the Christ. And everybody except Jesus in this story is hungry. In the opening verse, it says that the disciples uh, hadn't had time to eat. They were hungry. It says that the crowd came and pretty soon they were hungry. Everybody in the story is hungry. The only person who's not hungry in the story is Jesus. I wonder today if some of us have a soul hunger in us that we've experienced, or maybe we're experiencing it now, and we have not been able to fill it on our own. I know that some of us are hungry for love. Maybe some of you here today, you you have not had that experience of being fully known by someone else and being fully loved by them, and you're hungry for that. You long for that, or maybe you did have that at one point, and now you don't have that. Some of us are hungry for affirmation, like, like we want to be affirmed. We want to be, to, we want to be known. We want, we, want, we want to feel like we're valued, we're worth something, but we don't have anyone in our life that affirms us in this, in this deep way that makes us feel valued and worthwhile. Some of us, I think, are hungry for peace in our hearts. Like we, during the week, we get caught up in anxiety. We get caught up in in our struggles. Things are noisy around us and we're hungry for something that is is peaceful. We're hungry for peace in our heart and in our soul, but our souls are turbulent. All of us are hungry for something. Everybody here is hungry for something. And the problem is 
A lot of times when our soul is hungry, we don't seek the good nourishing food of the word of God. We get hungry and we're ready to, to, to eat just about anything. Have you ever noticed that? You get really hungry. It, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> You're just ready to eat something. In fact, a lot of times when we're hungry, when our soul is hungry, we do the exact opposite of what we should do to find true spiritual nourishment. If you look at this story, when the, the disciples discovered that the people were hungry, look what they said in verse 36. They said, Jesus, you should send them away. You should send them away so that they can go to the village and buy something for themselves. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Hunger can drive us in the wrong direction. The disciples are here with Jesus. Jesus is, 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 the, is the creator of life. He, he, can, he, can, he can calm a storm. And he, he's got all of this capacity and all of this ability, the son of God, God in the flesh. And when people are hungry, his disciples say, you should send them the opposite direction. The problem is when we get hungry, we get so hungry that we don't care a lot of times about the, the nourishment, the value of the, of the thing that we're consuming. We just want to put something in, inside of us because we're so hungry. I'll, I'll give you a physical example. Let's say you're really, really hungry, okay? Let's just say, I know you're not because you had donut holes on the way in, so that's good. But let's just say you're really hungry. Let me ask you what's more appetizing. This, next slide, or this. So you don't really care about the nutritional value when you're hungry. If you weren't that hungry, you'd be like, you know, I should have some salad. But if you're really hungry, salad is just not that appealing because you're not worried about the nutritional value. You just want to take something in. Has anybody ever had that experience where you're just, you're so hungry, you don't even care what it is. You're just going to eat it. I, I, um, I'm going to make an admission today. Um, I, um, I have lost 100 pounds. Now, some of you are thinking, that's strange. He doesn't, I don't remember him being 100 pounds heavier. But I've lost 100 pounds in this way. I've lost 10 pounds about 10 times over the last 10 years. <laughs> now, that 10 pounds is like one of those, those friends that you, that you kind of like, but you're not so sure. You know, you send them away and then they just keep coming back. You don't miss them, but they miss you. Have you ever had a friend like that? So the 10 pounds that I, that I have lost and, and regained, it, it, just, it just misses me. It just wants to come back. I, I lose it and, and then it comes back. In fact, my kids don't want me to lose the 10 pounds. Um, because I, I think I may have told this once before, and I don't know where my children got this. Maybe it's just instinctual. They like to come up and just grab a hold of my belly fat. <laughs> They've been doing this for years. Hi, Dad. And they just grab right a hold of it, right? And I'm trying to suck it in, but they don't want me. They, it's, for them, it's like an extra toy in the house. It's just free, and you just, right? I, I finally did have to train them. Please don't do this when we have company over, because it's just super awkward, and please don't do that. Um, it's, it's, it, but the problem is, it's, it's actually really, really hard to lose weight because the problem is you get hungry, right? And when you get hungry, you don't worry about what you're going to eat. I have an app on my phone, and the app is where I'm supposed to log my calories. I'm just giving you like all kinds of personal information today. But anyway, I have this app. I log my calories on this, on this app, um, and I'm supposed to limit my calorie intake to a certain number of calories per day. 
So, you know, I'll do that. But every once in a while, if you get hungry, your hunger overrides your rational mind. Your hunger overrides your will. Um, I was, I was this, this is literally from experience the other night. Um, I had reached my, 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 my cap. I put all the calories in, the number that I was supposed to put in. And uh, it was pretty late. And I was kind of on my way upstairs to go to bed. And um, somehow I walked by the pantry. I thought, you know, let me just grab a handful of almonds while I'm, because almonds are pretty healthy. So I went and by the pantry, I opened the pantry, I got a handful of almonds. Um, The almonds led me to some crackers that were sitting right there beside. And then I had the crackers. I felt like the crackers need some little cheese on them. So I had to go get some cheese on the crackers. And then I started thinking, man, there's some bread in the other pantry. So I went around the corner and got little bread. The bread led me to some peanut butter. Peanut butter led me to some jelly. Peanut butter and jelly led me to a box of Lucky Charms that they were sitting right beside. They were magically delicious. And then they led me to the pretzel sticks, which led me to the buttered popcorn. And before you know it, I had blown through my calorie count, not with like spinach, okay? but with stuff that I didn't care about the nutritional value. Here's the problem for a lot of us. When we experience that soul hunger in our heart, when we get hungry for the things that we want, right? We tend to go after things that are not good for us, that do not bring us nutritional value, that cannot sustain us, and that ultimately don't fill us. Whenever you hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000, every theologian that comments on this story ties it to the story of God sending manna from heaven when the Israelite children were being uh, led out of Egypt. And I I went back this week and I looked at that story because I I wanted to understand the connection. Watch what happens in Exodus chapter chapter, uh, 16, I believe. Um, It says this. This is what the Israelite children said to Moses and Aaron after they had been led out uh, of Egypt. They said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, they said, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. You know what I'm fascinated by in this story? They actually wanted to go back to slavery because they wanted the food that was being served to them when they were in bondage in Egypt. How many of you know we we will go back to things that are not good for us? We'll go back to things that will bind us. We will go back to things that will imprison us. When we get hungry, we get desperate. We get desperate. We don't go after God. We go after things that will actually make it far worse than it was when we were just hungry. The children of Israel want to go back to bondage. In fact, a lot of times... We will eat things that actually make us hungrier. We won't eat things that fill us. We will eat that which makes us hungrier. I I had to stop eating the chips at Mi Ranchito. Anybody ever been to Mi Ranchito here in U City? You eat a chip or two and you should think that would be filling. But it has the opposite effect. You eat a couple chips at Mi Ranchito. Now you eat the whole basket. And then you eat another basket, right? Sometimes we consume things that we think are going to fill us, and yet they don't fill us. They make us hungrier. We want love, but we settle for lust. Okay, we got like a one or two groans on that. Everybody else was like, nope. <laughs> we want godly affirmation, but we will settle for human applause. We want to experience God's righteousness. We want, we want to experience what God really, really has for us. But then we'll settle for just somebody recognizing us and thinking that we're 
good. We will long for peace, but we might settle for passivity. We keep go- we, we hunger for something, but we're like the children of Israel, and we end up wanting to go back to the pots of meat and the bread that were being served in bondage, rather than the freedom that comes when God sends manna from heaven. We're all hungry for something, but sometimes our hunger drives us in the wrong direction. The disciples say, Jesus, you should send them away. Let them go feed themselves. Let them go get something for themselves to eat. And Jesus does something so powerful in this moment because Jesus wants to turn their, their whole conceptual framework upside down. Notice what Jesus says when they, when, G, when they said, you should send them away. Jesus says this, you give them something to eat. Verse 37, you give them something to eat. Now this is confusing for the disciples because the disciples are hungry. The disciples don't have food. And Jesus is telling hungry people to feed other hungry people. So the disciples are like, what, what do you mean? They said, uh, should, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? They're asking a f- fair question. Wait, you're telling us to feed somebody else and we don't even have enough to feed ourselves. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. So this is what they had. They had about five of these little barley loaves. About, look about like this. They had a couple cans of tuna fish. And they said, this is, this is what we've got. There are 5,000 people out there. Jesus. And we went and scrounged up five loaves and a couple cans of tuna, a couple albacore here, solid white and water. This is what we got to feed the 5,000. And by the way, they actually got this from a kid. They didn't even have it themselves. There was some like teenager in the crowd that had a sack lunch. This is about this much. And that's all he had for the day. And they went and got this from them. I'm going to make a side announcement. I just want to make a side and a side. Teenagers, we value you at this church. (laughs) What, What you have to offer, what you bring is important. We see you and we value you. Uh, on uh, Friday night, I went down to the Catalyst, to the student ministry. Can we just take a look at, the, at, at, our, student, at our students from the Catalyst group here? Check out, our, check out our cool kids right here. These guys are amazing. All right. That was just a side comment. Um, you guys, we, we, we really do. Jesus actually goes for all of us. He says, look, if there's a teenager in the crowd with five loaves and two fish, I can take that and I can do something with that. What he's saying to you and me is, I don't want you to discount yourself from the equation. He's telling the disciples, I don't want you to discount yourself from what I'm trying to do just because you don't think you have enough, just because you don't think you have anything to offer. Don't discount yourself because if you will give me what you have, I can do something with that. I can can do something transformational with what you bring me because the scripture says this in verse 41. It says, then he took the five loaves. He took this little little mess of food and the two fish. And it says, looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke the loaves. And then it says, he kept giving them to his disciples. Notice that verb. He didn't just give it. He just kept giving. 
He just kept breaking and giving. He just kept breaking and giving more and more and more. He blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving to his disciples to set before the people. He was, uh, uh, he was also dividing the fish among them. And then the scripture says, everybody ate and was filled. Everybody, the whole 5,000 people, the disciples, everybody ate and was filled. This is, this is what Jesus is trying to do in this moment. I'm gonna explain this. Uh, with this drawing here in just a minute. Jesus is calling us to move beyond consumption to commitment. Jesus is calling us to move beyond consumption to commitment. I, I want to show you the dynamic of what's happening in this, in this scene. What's so powerful is you've got this crowd, and this crowd is a group of consumers. The crowd are people who are coming to get something from Jesus. They're coming to get spiritual blessing. They're coming to get spiritual truth. They're coming to get healing for their lives. And they're ultimately, in this moment, coming to get actual food for their body. They are consumers. Now, we always want the crowd. We always want to be serving the crowd. The crowd in our, in our dynamic are the group of people on the outside who aren't sure what they believe about Jesus, but they're willing to poke their head in and try to figure it out. Some of you today may be the crowd. Some of you may be the crowd because you're going, look, I'm not ready to, to step in to do something. I don't want to commit to anything. I don't want to give. I don't want to serve. I, I just, I'm here to see what's going on to see if I'm getting nourished, right? So don't discount the crowd. The crowd is who we're here for. We're an outward facing church. We are here to serve our community right? So this is the crowd. The crowd are the consumers, the one that are coming and checking it out. The core, these are the disciples, right? These are the disciples and the core are the contributors. These are the people who are assisting Jesus with this feeding initiative. They're the ones going, okay, we scrounged up five loaves and two fish. We're going to give these to you and then we're going to see what you do with them. Right? So, so, so the, the crowd is consuming, the core is contributing, and then Christ is the creator. He's the one making it. He's the one baking it. He's the one spreading it. He's the one giving it. He's the one generating it, right? And what he's saying in this story is so powerful. He wants to move us from here to here. He wants to move us from consumers to contributors, to those who are taking, to those who are giving, from those who are digesting to those who are delivering. That's what he's calling us to do. That's what he's calling every follower of Jesus to be. And then this is where it gets crazy, you guys. This is where it gets really crazy. He's ultimately calling us to be the body of Christ. What that means is he is calling one family church and every Christian around the planet to move from consumer Christianity, where we come to just get, to a contributing form of faith where we say, I'm receiving and now I'm turning around and I'm giving back out. I want to be connected to what Jesus is doing and the best way to 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 experience the blessing of God yourself is to get near the blesser and to, and to engage with him and participate in, uh, with him in blessing other people. That's, that's just the way that that happens. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, we have chores for our children. So all of our children have certain chores that they have to do around the house. 
And it's helpful. It is helpful to, sometimes. Sometimes it's not helpful. Sometimes it's worse. But anyway, we have them do these chores not because we need them to do the chores. We have them do the chores because we want something to grow in them. We want them to begin to understand responsibility and what it means to show up and what it means to contribute, right? Because down the road at some point, they're going to be doing it and we're not going to be there. And so we're trying to instill something in them. We're trying to, to give something to them, not just take something from them, right? We've, we have all of, our child, all of our children tithe. They tithe on their, on their um, allowance. So they get a little allowance from us and then they tithe on that. So they give 10% of their allowance every uh, month. It's at the beginning, it's set on a recurring basis, right? Why do we do that? Not because my five-year-old's you know, $2 a month is going to um, build a new stage at One Family Church, but because I want her to understand that it's not about getting, it's about giving. It's not about just receiving, it's about reciprocating. It's, it's, it's not just about grabbing, right? It's about giving out. We're trying to teach them something. Jesus is saying, look, I want to move you from here to here. And ultimately, he wants us to be the body of Christ. He wants us to be the ones that are feeding the community around us, both spiritually, physically, and every other way. He's calling us to do that. He's calling us to be that. He's calling us to move from consumption to contribution. And then I want to show you this, and I'm going to close with this, because this is... This is this is, I've never seen this in the story before. In verse 43, it says this. Then the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now, let me just, let me just reiterate where this story started from. This story started with 12 disciples who were what? They were hungry. This story ends with 12 disciples. Charles, would you hand me that basket right there? This story ends with 12 disciples who have baskets overflowing with food. Now, I've never noticed this either. And I don't know if I'm just dense, but I, I always wondered why are there 12, 12 baskets, right? And it just hit me this week. I'm like, oh, well, there are 12 disciples, so each disciple is carrying a basket overflowing with bread and fish. Do you understand what Jesus is showing us in this story? He's saying, look, if you will get close to the creator, if you will draw close to the source, and then you will actually participate with the source, then you don't have to worry about being in need. You don't have to worry about uh, longing for something else and being hungry for something else. God will fill you. You will be so close to the source that you'll never go hungry again. Because now you are actively participating with what God is doing. You know, the best way to experience joy is to get close to the author of joy and then to spread the joy that he gives you. Did you know that? That, that, that's, that fills you with, it fills you with more joy when you give joy than when you get joy. The best way to experience forgiveness is to get close to the author of forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness and then give his forgiveness to somebody else. Best way to experience love is to get close to the author of love. Experience his love and then extend his love to somebody else. You see, when we give of ourselves, 
like the, like the teenager who gave the bread, like the disciples. When we give of ourselves, we are participating in the precise expression of the nature of God. The scripture says, God is love. And then it says this, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. The ultimate expression of the true nature of God is when we extend out what God has given to us and we pour it out towards a mission, towards a vision, towards serving and feeding those who are in need. That's what this story shows us. And this story shows us that when we do that, we will not lack. We will not hunger. We will not thirst. Jesus ultimately said this because he ran into this crowd um, uh, shortly after this, a few days later. He went back to the other side of the lake and they came back around. And he said to them, he goes, I know y'all are coming because you want the donut holes that I, that I was serving, right? I know that's what, and then he said something that's really, really powerful. He said, what I really want to give you is something more than some barley rolls and some tuna fish. He says, I want to give you a bread from after which, after you eat it, you will not be hungry again. And then he said this, well, they, they said this, they said, show us a sign. They said, Moses showed us a sign. He, he brought down manna from heaven. They referenced the story themselves. Now, the funny thing is he had literally just fed them with the bread, but they were hungry for more, right? Why? Because they're consumers. That's what they are. They just need more. They just need more. God said, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you bread. My father in heaven brought that bread down for you. Moses just disseminated it. Oh, and by the way, he said, he did it again. He said, I'm the bread of life sent down from the Father for you to feast on. Jesus is calling us as a church family. If you're a visitor here, this might seem like crazy for you this morning. You're just like, what in the world is happening? But the reality is this. Jesus is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. And the way that we do that as followers of Jesus is to move from consuming him to actually participating with what he has to offer to the community around us, to contributing to him. So what I want to ask you to do is over the next five weeks, I want you to pray earnestly. I'm going to ask every single one of you to pray deeply and earnestly about this. We, um, in, your, in your booklet, there's a card, and I don't want you to fill this out. Please do not fill this card out. I'm going to ask that you don't fill this out for several weeks. This is a commitment card. This card is, is you, what you're going to commit to being a contributor to the mission of Jesus as we expand what he is doing through One Family Church. But I would ask that you not fill this out right now. I would just ask that you spend time in prayer. I just would ask that you spend time to pray about this. And if you're a student or if you're a teenager, we're actually even going to have our children. Our children have a card that say, um, what am I going to share with somebody else? Because ultimately what this is about is about discipleship. It's about taking us from being on the periphery of the crowd to being at right at the, at the hands and the feet of Jesus, bringing what we have to him so that he can break it, spread it, bless it, and use us to distribute it to the world. So if you will commit, what I, want to make, what I want to ask you to do is make a commitment to make a commitment. 
Don't make a commitment today, a financial commitment. But I am going to ask that you would make a commitment to go on this journey with us over the next five weeks. And what does that look like? Number one, it looks like you, you, you hold on to this book and you bring it with you when we, for the next five weeks as we, as we walk through this series, we go on this journey together. Um, I would ask that you do that. I would strongly encourage you to jump into a life group. Our life groups are going to be talking about some of this content as well. Those are available on our website. would encourage you to do that. And if you are ready and willing to make a commitment today, maybe some of you already have. I know many of you have. But if you're ready to make a commitment, to make a commitment. In other words, I'm just saying like, I will participate. I will get involved. Then I would love for you to grab a Beyond t-shirt today. Now, if you're not ready, don't get a t-shirt. We'll have them next week too. We need to pray about it. But if you're saying like, you know what? I'm going to be here for this. I'm here for this. I'm going to participate. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to participate. I'm going to engage. Then I would just ask you to, on your way out, grab a t-shirt and just commit. This is a journey. They call it a journey piece because you're saying I'm committing to going on this journey. So I would invite all of you to do that. I am convinced, One Family Church, that God, as he has done faithfully for the last 10 years, is prepared to do above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine. I want him to do that in your life. I want something for you, not just something from you. I will tell you this, Rebecca and I, and I've told, I told you this last week, and I've said this throughout this, um, throughout this initiative as we've slowly launched it. We are in, we are in, in a way that we've never been in before ever. We're in, we're making a commitment some of you know my mother passed away a few months ago I didn't know she had you know she had been saving up some pennies that I didn't know about and she ended up giving uh, my two sisters and I a portion of what she had well all of what she had saved over the years it was an unexpected blessing to us it was not income that we worked for or generated um, but from that we we have been able to take the lead and say we're going to make a really significant contribution big big time for us Several of our leaders have already taken that step. Um, by God's grace, on Friday, this next Friday, we'll write a check for $1.1 million for the 25% down payment on the Tivoli building, right? That's because, that's because people have said, you know what, I've been here and it was good here. I needed to start here, but now I'm coming to here. You have people in this congregation who have made that kind of commitment. And because of that, God is moving us into what he has for us. So I just want to invite all of you to do that. And I want your prayer to be, God, what do you want to do through me? And I want your heartbeat to be, God, I know that you are able to do above and beyond all that I could ask or imagine. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Your word is so good. You challenge us. You draw us deeper, deeper, deeper into your nature, into who you are. And I would ask, Lord God, that any of us who are here today that are sort of on the fence, maybe, we've, maybe we're cynical, maybe we have, uh, have had bad experiences, um, and so we have just a little bit of edge on this. I pray, Lord God, that you would do your work in our hearts. I pray that you would do your work in our hearts. That we would long, Lord, to con contribute to what you're doing in St. Louis. That you, that, that, you would, that you would draw us into the desire uh, to feast on the good food. The feast on the bread of life.
and then to participate with you in disseminating it across this community. I pray for every single person here that they would experience your love, your peace, your power, your righteousness, and your joy in a way that they could have never expected or imagined or anticipated. I pray that you would today, God, do above and beyond all that we could ask or think. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. I wanna invite you as we close to participate uh, in in worship with us. Um, You have that QR code. If you want to, anything you wanna communicate with us, you can do it on that code. Um, If you wanna commit your life to Jesus, if you wanna say, look, I'm actually ready today to not just hear what Jesus has to say, but I wanna get into the core of who Jesus is. I wanna be his follower. I don't wanna just be the crowd. I don't wanna just be a fan. I wanna be a follower. Let us know. Put that on on your connection card today. Um, if you are prepared to give, don't, don't give your, your pledge. Don't do that yet. But if this is your church home and you are contributing on a regular basis, you can do that today. You can do that on the QR code there. Uh, m- many of us have already um, been giving and serving in this way. And so I invite you, uh, if you're a guest, please don't feel any obligation to do that. But if this is your church home, uh, you can participate in that way. Um, if you need prayer today, we have a prayer team that's in a prayer room right outside this theater. So you head straight out and just to the left. We've got a prayer team that is there and available to pray with you. Uh, And they also have communion available to you. They have the bread and the cup. Uh, I just just think it's great a lot of times to end a service with taking the bread and the cup. Because ultimately what we see in that picture is Jesus giving all. Jesus spreads his arms and says, I'm going to give everything. I'm going to give my life. And he's doing that for you. Would you stand with me now as we close our service?